And with any failure, whether it be a team, whether it be in school, whether it be a relationship, whether it be anything that's significant in your life, if you fail and refuse to look at your part in that failure, it's a a massive disservice to your growth as a human, as a person, as a leader. So uh, with those discussions I've given our team, I've learned. And I've learned that um, more from failure than anything. It's, it's important at this point that I continue to learn to communicate in a way that allows people to receive my message in a positive and constructive way. Welcome, 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 welcome back to a sunny, sunny in the clinic podcast with Rob. So we're super pumped today. Good to be back. Good to be back in action. The weather is looking good after a couple of rainy days. We actually had hail at our house that accumulated still there this morning. And uh, today I'm looking at sunshine, which, which is good because there are, uh, couple softball games today that we're looking to adventure into but uh, we'll see we'll see the weather is always changing Um, I actually do love the Pacific Northwest for the four seasons yes we get a lot of, of different looks throughout the year from right now being spring where it could rain any minute it could go from sunny beautiful clear skies to a tornado at any minute, uh, you know, this, the summertime, we get the heat where you can go out on your boat, you can go camping, you can enjoy the 90 plus degrees at times. And then it turns to fall and fall is, is absolutely beautiful. It has the, uh, the makings of a warm day and cold nights. So you can open up the windows, you can let the cold air come in at night and cool you down. Um, it's pretty magical here. And once we get from, from fall, which is my favorite, it goes right into winter. We always get snow. You got snowmobiling, skiing. We're 40 minutes from a ski hill. It's, it's a good place to live. So overall, uh, you know, the Tri-County area um, up, up in the Pacific Northwest, we're, we're doing okay up here. So hopefully uh, not too many people are listening to this and they don't uh, find about our good fortune up here and start migrating. <laughs> Especially you Californians, we know we know you like coming up here. <laughs> when I first moved to town here, Calif- to, to hear people were from California was like a bad word because Californians were coming up buying a bunch of land and stuff. And and uh, you know, if you drove around with California plates on, it was like you were you were evil. <laughs> but again, I love the I love the Four Seasons. It's starting to get warmer. It's starting to um, perk up, and I know that because. I've been sent, spending more time outside and enjoying the time with, with my, with my kids. You know, I've been, uh, cutting wood. I never cut wood in the spring. I always cut in the fall. Uh, my mother-in-law from the big winter that we had, <clears throat> I always cut her wood and, uh, she's, she's burned a lot over the winter. 
so she's getting low. But I, I figured uh, before it gets too dry and we can't we can't cut wood, then it's a good time to do it now. So that's that's been good. I enjoy it. I like the physicality. I like sweating. I like throwing on my cowboy hat and uh, pretending I'm Rip from Yellowstone. I mean, <laughs> any chance to wear a cowboy hat and a, a sweet coat with with jeans and boots? Yep, playing playing to a, playing to the Yellowstone feel there. I love it. I went hiking with my daughter, which is great. We went hiking above, up, up in the forest, in the woods. Um, been enjoying spending time with her, walking through, uh, uh, looking for morels. So we're going to be looking for morels this weekend. Hopefully we can find some of those tasty little morsels and uh, add, them, add them to our appetite this weekend. So I'm, I'm hopeful that morel season is in full full swing. And uh, I also went a little four-wheeling with my son. So he's been starting to enjoy his ability to um, ride the four-wheeler independently. He's been cruising around. He has me ride on the back. And so for us to, to ride up into the, the woods, go to neighbors, etc., has been um has been fun so i i enjoy the outdoors i enjoy spending time with him but you know overall i really like the heat because we get to sit my wife and i on the back deck and enjoy enjoy the sunshine so the mornings with coffee sitting on the on the back deck as the sun comes up gracing us with its presence has is one of my favorites and then even in the uh even in the, the the end of the day, where it's where it's pretty warm, we can sit on the other side of the house. We got another deck there under the shade, maybe with some some sweet tea, and just enjoy the best of life. So overall, uh, you know, I, I like the changing season. I'm excited for it. After all the cold and the snow we had, I'm pumped. Um, I'm pumped for it. So you know, let me switch gears here and and uh, let let me uh, dovetail into failure. And I've talked about failure in the past. I've talked about um, how failure is really the best recipe to help shape us as people and how we truly learn the most from failure. I mean, if you look at why negative feedback is so powerful in our lives, it's really because it's, it's, it's so powerful that we remember it more. We don't want it. It's unpleasant. And that's why people that give you praise and tell you nice things, you don't always remember those, but you remember the negative things people say, say to you. You remember uh, from grade school, somebody had a negative word to say to you. I still remember from, we had to dress up in seventh grade basketball and the seventh grade girl that I had a crush on looked at me and said, why would you wear a black shirt with black pants? And the blacks don't even match. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's funny. Seventh grade, I still remember that. Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm used to just wearing a t-shirt and a hat, so this is good for me. And here you are, dogging on me for not having my blacks be identical. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, we learn through failure, uh, and the negativity usually sticks with us. But, um, you know, I, I laugh a lot, and I enjoy, um, I enjoy the best of life. And one of the areas recently in, in my life that has been a struggle is, is my failure through coaching. And uh, recently, you know, we've, we've gone through um, a hardship in our varsity coaching experience that has left, uh, left me in failure. 
and it's not something that's enjoyable. It's not something that, um, you know, it leaves a good taste in, in our mouth. It's not something that I feel is warranted. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, in order to be a leader, in order to be a, uh, a coach that leads uh, young individuals, in order to be a leader in this office, in order to be a leader in my family, um, all leaders have to, have to be accountable. And they also have to be accountable by accepting um, failure, by accepting and owning it. And the, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, currently, um, I'm, no, I'm not with our team. I'm not with our team. And that hurts. And it hurts because I know uh, that I have to own that failure. For whatever reason um, those decisions were made, uh, I have to own the fact that I played a part in it, you know, and, and overall, I, I want to be the best coach that I can. I want to make an impact in individuals' lives. I've, I've talked to a lot of, uh, of our players over the years and told them that my ultimate um, goal is for them to invite me to their wedding one day, that I want to make an impact in their life and be a positive role model to the, to the point where I impact their lives and they want me to be there on their special day. And so to know that currently I'm, I'm not with our team, that um, I, I have been uh, suspended, it is hard. It is hard. It is a struggle, um, to say the least, because, you know, you, coaching is, is almost a zero-sum game. You know, it takes a lot of yourself uh, to, to be the best that you can. It takes a lot to give to others. Um, and it's, it's a give and take between trying to push your players to find their true potential to be their best self in their personality, in what they need. And that's hard because um, all players are different. All individuals have grown up in different settings and different in different uh, lifestyles and different expectations, different communication patterns. And uh, with that, you're still tasked with trying to help them become the best they can be. And when you're trying to help them become the best that they can be, it can lead to conflict. It can lead to um, unhappiness. And with sports, it's one of the last true meritocracies. You know, ideally, the, the best players of a group that can help the team win are the ones that play. And when that naturally occurs, um, it can lead to conflict. It can lead to hurt feelings. It can lead to um, frustration. And overall, I'd have to say that the conflict that, that arose is not related solely due to, um, due to playing time but it has to do with communication. And that's where, for myself, taking accountability and looking past and uh, my ability to communicate to all the players that I needed to for these uh, difficult times, these frustrating moments, this, you're not going to be able to play here at this time. You're uh, not going to start this game. Um, the sensitivity that I lacked is is have us is why we're here today is why um it's it's frustrating 
but it takes failure. Again, um, I've, I've talked to our players multiple times. It takes failure to learn, to reflect. And, um, you know, it's easy to blame. It's easy to start pointing fingers at people, at uh, different entities, and say that's the reason. But again, it does no good. It does no good. In failure, you, you can only change your component in it. And with any failure, whether it be a team, whether it be in school, whether it be a relationship, whether it be anything that's significant in your life, if you fail and refuse to look at your part in that failure, it's a, a massive disservice to your growth as a human, as a person, as a leader. So uh, with those discussions I've given our team, I, I've learned. And I've learned that um, more from failure than anything. It's, it's important at this point that I continue to learn to communicate in a way that allows people to receive my message in a positive and constructive way. And it doesn't matter, and I've, I've talked about this before, I've talked about it on the podcast, I've, I've put this in videos, it does not matter what I say as much as how people feel. And being self-aware enough to see the impact of your words and how people are feeling um, as a response is, is an area that I need to continue to work on. It's hard to fail, um, but it's not only who we are or what we do. It's just, it, this is a small part of our lives that consumed a lot of energy. Coaching itself is something that we've enjoyed um, at times, but it's an area that consumes a lot of energy and a lot of, of thought processes and a lot of um, development. And it's, it's hard. And I think the biggest thing that makes it hard is um, it, it's hard to put all of your energy truly to be advocate for others. You know, you, we're looking to be advocates for young women. And um, at times we've been an advocate for young women against their parents times we've been advocate for young women against school administrators. At times we've been advocate for these young ladies against other teammates. Boyfriends. Different people in their lives that are not treating them the way that they need to be treated. And in, in turn, it has transformationally been a difference in their lives that allows them to heal and, and excel. For my wife and I, who is fantastic, a loving, caring person that has put her heart into coaching, uh, she's changed lives. She has taken individuals that have had fractured homes, fractured hearts, fractured minds, and has helped heal them through her consistency, through her kindness, through her passion, through her care. And it's, it's made a big difference. And I think the biggest thing through this failure that um, has been a blessing is the um, support, the outreach from past players, parents, current players, current parents, community members that have reached out to us and given us praise for the, the time, commitment, and energy, and effort that we've put into their lives over the years selflessly. Um, so for me, trying to see the positive of, of learning to grow, but also appreciate, um, those are two areas. 
those those two areas are are critical. You know, as as I close this chapter, as far as coaching um, and and this failure, um, you know, part of this is is being that advocate is we're looking we're looking to push people to give girls what they deserve and what they what they're entitled to. And you don't always realize that there's not equal access even to sports, even in our own town. There's not always equal access and attention and care in um, in equipment. You know, and a couple examples are uh, the city removing all the lights up at the up at the field, up at Vaughan Field. And the explanation is, well, the poles were rotten. Um, and I've been an advocate, a strong advocate, and a vocal advocate that that's not acceptable. That the fact is that um, there needs to be a plan in place, uh, committees that you could put together, leaders in this own community that we could put together to get those lights back up. Because we, we all know that for another gender and another sport, if those lights are taken down that are usually used at 7 o'clock on Friday nights, the energy and effort would be there to put them back up. They would be put back up. We know that. Access to the facility. You know, with with the with the girls, there is uh, limited use for them to use their own field. They don't have their own field. They have to rent it from the city. And with that, the city, city controls the field, and they dictate how it can be used, when it can be used. And for girls to show up for their own practice with locked gates, can't have access, no uh, bathroom facilities, um, not not being shown that you matter, that your being here matters, that we want you here. It, it hurts. I've coached female sports for 20 years. It hurts them to show up and have a gate across their field, that they have to park on the street and walk into their facility, where other sports leaves their school and walks down to their field. And I've been an advocate, my wife has been an advocate to have them change that. Maintenance of field facilities. To have a scoreboard that actually works. You know, we've, we've put money together to advocate to have a scoreboard put up, and it was denied. It was denied. And that's a challenge, because we have a, currently have a, girls have a scoreboard that, that doesn't light up. So overall, uh, I can continue the list from nets that hitting cages that, that don't have a net on them or other. But I think the biggest part is just the equal access to, to sports. I think that's the most important part for, for our girls. So overall, it hurts to fail. It's hard for the soul. I'm, I'm thankful to the girls that we've coached over the years who have accepted our love, truly, who have accepted us as coaches, accepted our methods, or accepted our accountability that we hold them to. And for them, we are great, utterly grateful. We have watched you and your lives grow into young women and successful mothers, successful colleagues, and it has been an utter joy for us to see that. Absolute joy. I'm thankful to those parents 
have seen our talent to motivate, have seen our willingness to give to their kid to be an, an accessory parent, to push their kid in a way that, as a parent, it's hard to do, to hold them accountable in a way that it's hard for a parent to do, and to trust us that any of our energy is only in love, only in love for them, even at the times where it's difficult and hard. Thankful to my dad. Man, what a, what a giver. Thankful to my dad, who uh, is there every practice to do the field, to make sure the girls have a, a pristine field. He's always looking to give in equipment, in energy, time. And I'm just thankful for him to be the best role model that I could have on how to handle difficult situations and um, continue to give to others, because he is an excellent, excellent person for that. But above anything, um, I'm thankful to my loving wife. I'm thankful for her her gift of coaching. She is absolutely the greatest game coach that I've ever seen, and her intuition is without hesitation. She is poetry on a field. And I have truly enjoyed over the years being by her side, watching her thrive, watching her lead young women and be a role model that that tells them it's okay to be strong. It's okay. So as as I uh, close this down, I am uh, very thankful to her. I'm very thankful to the parents. I'm very thankful to my dad. I'm very thankful to the players over the years. And uh, for all those that have reached out in support of us through this this difficult time, I, I truly thank you and I love you. When we return, we will dovetail uh, this failure into the morning. Why mourning the loss of an injury is important. What happens if you don't mourn that loss? When we return. And we're back, 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 back to the show. And yeah, uh, you know, we went from talking about failure, talking about uh, some some difficult topics for for myself and uh, our family. And uh, to progress from that into mourning, I think is appropriate. And we look at mourning not as uh, the time we wake up. (laughs) We look at mourning as our way of... uh, Understanding grief and dealing with grief, dealing with hardships in your life. And in, through a lot of the topics that we've done on grief in our 4% Club, you know, grief is a nef- necessary component of your life to help healing to begin. It's, it allows healing to begin. And that's the best way I can put it, is grief is necessary to help with healing. So this is a, next topic is mourning the loss of an, of an injury is important. We see this all the time in physical therapy. 
This is an area that I talk to our athletes and uh, individuals who no longer can perform the activity that they want because of their injury. In particular, we see individuals with an ACL injury, an uh, anterior cruciate ligament injury. This is a person who um, typically is doing sports, basketball, softball, football, other. And they go from being a significant contributor to the team to spectator. Now they're watching. Now they're on the sidelines. Now they're running stats. Now they're a cheerleader. And it changes your identity. It's really hard when your identity of who you see yourself is changes. You know, for myself, I saw this in eighth and in ninth grade. It was a challenging time because in eighth grade football, Halfway through the season, I broke my arm in a game against Pullman. Gotta love Pullman. But I uh, went for a tackle, slipped in the mud, went to get up. And as I went to get up, our D lineman ran right across my arm. And uh, didn't know it at the time that it was broken. Just continued to play, continued to try and fight through it. And later found out that there was a fracture there. So it was hard. I was done for the season. It changed who I saw myself as. I was no longer a contributor on the team. I wasn't in the fight with our team. I was a spectator at practice and in games. It was hard. And what made it even more hard is the following year, in the first week of padded practice in football, I was a tackling dummy. I was holding a literally a dummy so that our linebacker could go through, shed a block, and come up and wrap up the dummy. In the process of wrapping up the dummy and myself, there was another dummy that was about five feet behind me, and as he moved me backwards, tripped over the dummy, and he landed directly on my arm, which bent my wrist backwards. So it hit and went backwards and broke my other arm, my right arm. So between these two events, it was significant. I had to sit and watch. I became stat guy, ball boy, um, cheerleader. It was hard. And what I see now in the rehab scene is that individuals that perform the best in their rehab are the ones that are able to mourn the loss of their injury, a loss of their identity, a loss of their activity. So it's important during this time, they have to understand that their identity will change, who they see themselves as will change, and they have to mourn that loss. They have to communicate to a parent, to a family member, to a friend, to a colleague, to a person that will relate. That this is hard. They have to get that off their chest. If they try and ignore it, they try and push it down. They try and tamp it down. They they don't take it seriously. They don't see it as significant. What I have found is that when it's time to really start pushing in the rehab, building strength, functional training, returning to sport, they're still caught in their own mind of what could have been, what should have been, what they've lost, what they've missed, what they aren't anymore, and they almost hit a a side of depression. They're mentally not able to push in their rehab the way that they need to. And you see this in adults when they lost their identity from work. They have a physical job and they can't do what they need to. They can't perform at home the way they need to, building different things or moving different things. 
It changes the identity that they see themselves. And when we have that identity loss, we develop cognitive dissonance. Who we see ourselves as and what we know is not what we're demonstrating in reality. So, this, this can be hard. So, how do we overcome that? How do we deal with mourning so that we can start to heal? Because, again, that's the whole purpose of grief. The whole purpose of grief is to be able to deal with our mourning so that we can heal. So overall, the, the biggest thing with, with the loss, with a loss from an injury, is we have to be able to communicate it and we have to be able to mourn it. Be sad. Be sad. It's sad. You cannot do what you want to do anymore or at that time. You can't play a sport. You can't go to work. You can't build things. You can't carry things. You can't live your life the way that you want to. It's sad. It's sad, and you have to acknowledge it, and you have to communicate it to other people, and you have to grow from it so that when you're working with entities like myself that are looking to build upon your life and return it back to that status, you have to be able to mourn it so you can heal. Because what I see a lot of individuals won't mourn it. And they almost hit this side of depression where they're constantly thinking about what, what has been lost and what their identity is no longer. And it continues to morph into a deeper depression to where they lose interest in even returning to the things that they enjoy. And that itself is the biggest loss. That itself is the biggest um, roadblock. It's not the physical. It's not even pain. It's mourning. So overall, mourn that loss. Learn from it. Grow from it. Continue to advance with the people that are around you. Bring them in so they could see your pain. Because that mourning will lead to healing. That grief will lead to healing. And it's absolutely necessary in order to get the most out of your rehab and also get back to what you love doing. So let's switch gears. And let's add a couple clinic updates right here. You know, we haven't had a, a couple of clinic updates in a while, and we've got some changes. Always, <laughs> always in the clinic, we've got changes. Um, one of them that, that came, op came open, I put this on Facebook not too long ago, is that we, we do custom orthotics. You know, you've you got foot pain, you got ankle pain, you got plantar fasciitis, you got knee pain, you got hip pain, even back pain can be from the biomechanics of the lower body. So if you're having lower body problems, pains, aches, especially the more that you're on your feet, it could be related to your, your biomechanics. And if your biomechanics are off, a custom orthotic is a simple solution to be able to return you back to your activity without pain. So custom orthotics are really what we do is we uh, cast your feet. We cast your feet in a mold that produces a negative of your foot that we can ship out to a lab and they make a custom orthotic for you. And when you get them back, they'll slide right into your shoes and you're ready to rumble. So it's pretty effortless. It just takes about a half hour, maybe 45 minutes if I talk too much, <laughs> which is always the case. But custom orthotics, that's something that uh, we've, we've, we're letting more people know about. I, I tend to be doing more of those over and over. So that's, that's an option for people. 
Uh, second note put on Facebook as well, Jessica Cox. Jessica is a physical therapist assistant that recently joined our team not too long ago, and she is kicking butt. She's rolling. What a great addition she's been. She's caring. She's experienced. She's knowledgeable. She makes her she makes her team better. She's fitting in perfectly. Great personality. Works hard. Patients like her. You know she helps people all the time, all day with with uh, different back pain issues, knee pain issues, lower leg strengthening, balance issues. It's been a good addition. It's been a good addition to have her aboard. So at some point. I'm going to push her to come be on the podcast <laughs> and we'll put her in the hot seat. So if you got any particular questions you want me to ask Jessica Cox as we come up, yep, message me, either Facebook, call me at the clinic, send me an email, whatever you want. Let me know and, and we'll get her. We'll get her good. Other notes, um, we got our 10-year anniversary coming up so that... This clinic, this little experiment that we decided 10 years ago, June 2012. June 2012, we started this little experiment um, over in Dr. Terry Lawson Chiropractor's office, my father-in-law, and it just immediately grew, immediately grew. I mean, it went from, from me working home health and just seeing a couple people in the afternoon on the side to, ooh, I need to go part-time with home health to quickly it went, nope, I need to be doing this full-time. I need to be in the office full time. It's it's requiring all my energy. And uh what a good decision. You know, what a good decision not not solely due to the success that we've had in the clinic, but you know, we've got 13 people that are working with us now. 13 people in the office that have families that have ideas, that have passions, and it is invigorating to come to work every day and have people that want to keep doing that. And it's exciting. So it gives me joy overall. Other notes, we've got, speaking of family, <laughs> speaking of people, uh, we've got some updates too. We've got uh, Emily Giesler, who is our physical therapist assistant. She announced that she's pregnant. So she's, she's working on the tiebreaker. She's got a, a, a baby girl and a, and a son. And now she gets a tie break. So we'll see. We'll see what comes in the future. But we're excited for her and her husband, Steve, that uh, are looking to have their third. But that's not the only one. Tyler had announced also, and in due coming up in uh, June, July, that his wife also is pregnant. So we've got baby fever running through the office. Anybody that knows me knows that I like babies. I like babies. I like pregnant bellies. <laughs> it's a little weird. Uh, so I'll try and behave myself and won't poke, poke any bellies, uh, rub any bellies with, or make any babies cry with my excitement. But uh, it's, it's really nice. It's, it's a great blessing to see people continue to grow in their lives here in the clinic. And uh, it's, it's humbling, truly. Other notes, we've got uh, Mackenzie. Uh, Mackenzie Kroll, who is our operations manager, um, you know we're pretty proud of her over the years. She's our she's been with us the longest, coming up six years, and uh, we're proud of her. We're proud of her because one, she's getting married this this September. Yep, marriage. 
So we're looking to have an absolute awesome bash. Uh, that should be a ton of fun. But also I'm proud of her because also in September, she's going to be graduating from college. So she had completed a lot of her studies previously and, and through life wasn't able to, to complete all of her education. And through this development, she's really taken on a leadership role and wants to be our operations manager. And part of that is understanding business. And so she's going to have a business management degree coming up in September. And we're just proud of her. We're proud of her for putting in all of her time, effort, and energy here in the office, but also um, in her education. We know how valuable that is. We know what that's going to mean to the office here. So we're just, we're super proud of her and her commitment um, to, to our office, but also in her own education herself. She's a person that realizes that uh, growth, it, it's a constant. You're never there. It's, it's always about developing yourself, developing who you are, and pushing your boundaries. And she's an excellent example of that. So, Mackenzie, excellent. Good for you. But all in all, the best part of this little experiment is truly the people. It really just comes down to the people. You know, um, whether, it, whether it be Jill, who's working in the office with us now, Jill Palmer, uh, to, to Callie, to Mackenzie Alley. Tyler Ryan, Emily Jessica, <laughs> Elaine, Randy, Nessa. <laughs> I don't know. Did I leave anybody out? <laughs> Kelly downstairs doing pre-employments. It's, it's an adventure. And what truly makes it uh, all worthwhile are the people. So I, I think the staff, I think everybody that, that uh, frequents our clinic enjoys the magic that we put out there. And all in all, um, I'm very humbled by it. So thank you. But break number two coming right up. When we return, noisy knees. Noisy knees. You got clicking, popping, cracking in your knees. Does it matter? Or is it doomsday? Dun, dun, dun. When we return. <laughs> We're back, 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 back for more. We got our third segment here of In the Clinic podcast with Rob. I always put on there for people, not animals. <laughs> and that's solely just to annoy my kids, really. I mean, I, I told them that's what I was putting on there. My daughter thought it was horrible. She's like, Dad, that's, that's bad. Even my son gave me an eye roll. So now, for people, not animals. <laughs> I do like animals, though, as you know, for anybody that's watching the, the video, the video blog, uh, the video podcast um, behind, you'll see my dog walking around back back behind here. So all in all, let's get to the meat of this. And the meat is noisy knees. Can noisy knees be a sign of trouble? And also, let's get into five ways that we can help you today. If you got noisy knees, let's 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 do that. Now, 
One of the questions I get often, I, I got this emailed to me um, about noisy D's. This is actually from a reader from my news newspaper column. I do a newspaper column for the local newspaper here, the Statesman Examiner. Plug. That was a plug, by the way. Statesman Examiner, uh, Tri-County's best newspaper. Another plug. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the column that I put in there um, always invites people to ask questions. And when I asked, uh, you know, an individual, hey, give me something about knees, they had asked this question, which is, I'm a 50-year-old, and I've noticed my knees are popping more than they used to. They don't hurt, but should I be worried? And this is from Julie here in Colville. So I do thank Julie for this question. Um, our providers, even myself, we receive this often in the clinic. So let's, let's dig a little deeper about it. Is the, crack, is the cracking, popping, and the noisy knees, is that okay? Or is this a sign of trouble? And looking into this, there's, there's a new study that they revealed on noisy knees. And they found that it could be a sign that you're at risk for osteoarthritis, but only if you're at a certain age. So they did an evaluation that, that took data from, from about 3,500 people as part of this osteoarthritis initiative. And it concluded that grating, cracking, or popping sounds in or around the joint, the knee joint, also known as crepitus, that it can put people at an increased risk for developing osteoarthritis. The study looked at people ages 45 to 79, and the average age of these participants were about 61 years old. So of those who developed diagnosable osteoarthritis within a year of the study, more than 75% showed signs of degenerative disease on x-rays. Those same people, however, did not have frequent knee pain, but they did have noisy knees when they, when they first started this study. So what does that mean overall? And the study is suggesting this. It can't say it's a direct causation, but it's suggesting that individuals with noisy knees within this age group, that 45 to 79, are at risk for osteoarthritis within the next year compared to individuals without noise. Wow, that's significant. That's really significant. So we know that knowledge is power, especially in defense for our health. For individuals to, that have noisy knees, to know that this could be a sign of possible developing osteoarthritis in the next year to two years, maybe four years, if you're between that age frame of 45 to 79, that's significant. That's your smoking gun. That's, hey, let's jump on this before it gets really bad. And then I'm heading downhill with pain, disability, lack of function. And now you're having to get a knee replacement, which are painful. So again, this is powerful. Who wants to have osteoarthritis as you age and eventually receive that agony of having a knee replacement? Nobody. Nobody does. So here are some steps that you can take today. If you're getting popping in the knees, grinding in the knees, maybe you don't even have pain yet. Here's some ways that you can help. Okay. Number one, check your shoes. I got a great YouTube video on proper shoes, especially for pronators. You could check this out. Again, just uh, search Sumner Specialized Physical Therapy. And uh, there's, a, there's an area on shoes on there. 
But wearing the proper shoes with arch support is essential for force disbursement with walking, standing, running. Without the proper support, the body works harder and the knees have to absorb the force. Do your knees ache at the end of the day? It might be time to get better shoes. Where do you start with those? Where do you start? Best place to start, check out that YouTube video. Again, has a has a little area on how to evaluate shoes. If you have any difficulty with it, you can find me. I got a link in the got a link in the podcast profile. Shoot me an email. Go to my website, sumnerpt.com. Whatever, Google me. It ain't it ain't hard. You can find me. Just send me an email and I'll and let me know. Reference this podcast and, and I'll I'll get that video to you. Number two, review your motion. So hip, knee, and ankle motion all play a large role in knee health. Big role. If your knee motion's poor, this is one of the first signs of osteoarthritis in the future. You should be able to keep your knee straight. You should be able to straighten that puppy all the way out and it should should be able to lay on the table. And you should be able to bend your knee all the way underneath your chair when you're sitting. If you're having difficulty with these, that's a sign that you're losing knee, knee range of motion. Reviewing proper motion to each one of your joints, from your knee to your ankle to your hip, all give you a chance to reduce the effect of osteoarthritis in the future. I see it all the time in the clinic. Those are the areas that we work on, even if you have osteoarthritis. But it's the first that starts showing up. So get rid of it. Prevent it. Improve it. Okay? I also have on YouTube a video on how to stretch your knee. Okay? So check that one out as well. Build leg strength. That's number three. Build leg strength. The quadricep, the muscle on the front of the thigh, is really the powerhouse to the knee. There are muscles on the front of the thigh that are very, very strong, and they absorb a ton of the knee for the, the ground reaction forces that, that come from walking, running, go up and down stairs. So one of the best ways that you can improve your knee health is to improve your quad strength. Ways you could do this, partial squats, sit to stands from your chair, lunges are all just ways to help improve your quad strength. That quad strength helps force absorption at the knee. So number three. Number four, get active. Get active. Part of our mobility, our strength, and eventually our risk for osteoarthritis is due to inactivity. The old saying of move it or you lose it, it's true. We need to stay active and mobile as we age or the body starts to tighten and weaken. How do you stay mobile? Well, you can start a walking program. You can take beginner's yoga, uh, maybe water aerobics. Or find other ways to move outside that helps you maintain your mobility. But the key is not so much what to do as just getting active and keep moving. So one, two, three, four. Number five, this is an important one, seek professional evaluation. So in our office, we, we are looking to restore and preserve mobility because it's the, the essence of life. During our evaluation, we're looking at many of the factors that play those biomechanical structures, uh, range of motion to the joint, muscle imbalances, foot structure, ligament integrity, or other 
factors that just affect mobility. So reviewing each one of these in a hands-on pattern is absolutely essential for understanding if an individual is getting osteoarthritis, why it's presenting, and what to do about it. So those five, how to, how to help with cracking, popping, noisy knees. Well, one, check your shoes. Two, review your motion. Three, build leg strength. Four, get active. And five, seek professional evaluation. But the key is, all this information is just to help you in your life. Is to help you improve your mobility long term. We all want to age gracefully. We all want to improve our mobility. We want to be the grandparent that's on the ground with the grandkids. We want to be able to take hikes, walk, ride bikes, get off the floor, go up and down stairs. Who doesn't want to age gracefully? We all do. But aging gracefully is no accident. It's not. Taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, taking care of your joints, taking care of your nutrition, activity level, they're all important. So overall, take this to heart. This is your sign. If you're getting popping, cracking, grinding knees and you're over 45 years old, that's your sign. If you don't have pain yet, that's your sign. So take care of yourself. Do what you need to do. Take these top five to heart and improve your chance of not needing that painful knee replacement in the future. Do it. And if you need help, you don't know where to start, you don't know what to do, darn it, contact me. We'd love to. We've, like I mentioned earlier, we've got seven other awesome providers that are just itching for a chance to make a difference in your life. And you'll feel the magic when you come in because we like to have fun. So all in all, that's going to wrap up our podcast for today. Appreciate you coming along all the way to the end, learning about knee health, learning about our clinic, learning about failure learning about the importance of mourning. I've enjoyed all the individuals that have reached out to me in the past for questions, comments, or just praise. I appreciate it. It encourages me. It keeps me going in the right direction. And truly, it, it, it is the best part of my week. So all in all, thanks again for listening to this edition of In The Clinic Podcast with Rob for people, <laughs> not animals. Have a good day.